I just want to encourage you. Let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's, let's continue to share in this ministry. And especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters here in the fellowship and those outside of the fellowship. But Paul says, especially those within. You know, this is our greatest opportunity to serve one another in this way. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, as you guys get settled into your seats, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Today we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses, and it's really this idea of, I had titled it, Bear One Another's Burdens, but, you know, if I would have known it was only going to be 10 verses that I would have covered this week, I would have probably titled this Bearing and Sharing, because it's a responsibility that we all have. And really, what Paul does is, in verse 1 and in verse 6, he gives us principles that he wants to expound on. And so in verse 1, he gives us a principle, and then he spends the rest of verse 1 all the way through verse 5 expounding on that principle of restoration. And then in verse 6, he gives us a principle of that of giving, really, and then spends verses 7 through 10 expounding upon that principle of giving, how it affects our lives. And so Paul is really the teacher in these last 10 verses that we're going to be looking at today as he's kind of wrapping up the book. Father, we just pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. Lord, let your spirit just have his way in my heart and in our hearts, Lord, that I would say the right words, but also that we would hear the things that you would have for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 4, back in Galatians, he said, let each one examine his own work And then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. So that responsibility, we each have our own work. You know, he said, instead of worrying about someone else, bear your own load, bear your own burden. Um, Be concerned with the work that you're doing, that you can have rejoicing in yourselves. And It's dangerous because I'd said earlier, pride is always at play in our lives. But it's really being concerned what the Lord has called you to do. As a pastor, a lot of people, I was taught in the school of ministry, don't let people put monkeys on your plate. So the idea is don't let other people 
have great ideas and say, I think we should do this. In reality, what they're saying, I think you should do this. That's your monkey. You handle it. Don't put it on my plate. And it's not that you can't give a suggestion to, to us, to a pastor, but realize that we're each responsible for our own work. And maybe the Lord is calling you actually into that area, not your pastor or someone else within the body. But to think about the idea is to think about what are you doing for Christ? Let each one examine his own work. I was a brick mason for 20 years, and I, I've examined my own work a lot. Because when you lay brick, you can stand back and look at it when it's done. And sometimes you can stand back and look and see where other people, just in life, not everybody does things the same. It's no more evident than when um, masons are laying stone because every brick are uniformed and you can kind of get that everything uniformed if it's right. But when you lay stone, there's nothing uniform about field stone, let's say, just random rocks of different sizes. That's going to have a different look. You're going to be able to stand back and see who worked where. Um, we did that once on a fireplace in Lake Bluff that was like three stories high and wrapped around. This is couple of lawyers homes a husband and wife and quite a place but you could tell who worked where on that uh, fireplace everybody kind of had their own little technique and their own way of doing things and and we have that in ministry but the idea is to consider your own work it's not that we shouldn't look at others because we can learn from others but when bottom line when it comes down to the bottom line when we stand before the Lord at the being must seat judgment throne of Christ, he's not going to be asking about anybody else's work but your own. You're going to bear your own burden, your own load before Christ that day. And um, we need to you know, be concerned with that, of how we will stand before the Lord. There's some things that we can't bear. Sin is one of them. You know, we can do better maybe, is the best that I could say in regards to sin, but we can't bear sin. David said in uh, Psalm 38.4, and I believe it's a cry for all of us who come to Christ. In Psalm 38.4, he said, my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. That is just a picture of David is in the deep. He's in the sea. He's drowning in his sin. He said, there's too much for me. I can't bear them. And that is true. But there is one who has bore our burdens and has bore our sins upon the cross. In Isaiah 53, 6, he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And in verse 12, he closes that out by saying, Because he has poured out his soul unto death, he has been numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. You know, we're to be responsible for our own work, but there's some things that we can't do, and it's not a works for salvation message. The idea is, as believers, we're responsible for the things that we do in this life, but it is Christ who bears our sin, and it'll always be that. And it's only through Christ that we can find forgiveness of sin, and we're going to be mature in Christ. We're going to lead an individual to the Lord, to help restore, whether it's a brother or sister who had been overtaken by a trespass. And while we're restoring, 
We need to be those who are not thinking that we're superior, but we need to be considering our own sinfulness and our own shortcomings and doing it in the spirit of gentleness. The idea is restoration. And, you know, what I've discovered when we help in the restoration process of someone's life, man, it restores us too. There is such a joy in serving the Lord in this way. In verses 6 through 10, some have kind of disconnected verse 6 from 7 through 10, but I don't. I think it's context. Now, often I probably have because like verse 9, that verse has spoken to me. It did um, four years ago in a strong way and not even looking at the context. It was just the word bringing that particular verse to my mind at a pastor's conference out in California where the Lord said to me, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due seasons you will reap if you do not lose heart. That was my eighth year in ministry, and I thought the Lord, well, I was tying so many things to that particular move of God's Spirit in my life. And uh, I was thinking, Lord, you mean after eight years, the year of new beginning in the Bible, the, the number eight, this is it, we're finally going to, you know, take that next step in ministry and and you're going to pour out a great blessing upon our fellowship. And boy, I was so off base and how I was trying to uh, translate what the Lord was trying to speak to me at that time. And, And I think he was saying, don't grow weary, John, just keep going. You're going to reap. Just keep going. Be faithful. That's what he's teaching. But, you know, that's taking it out of the context of where it comes from. In the context, he begins in verse 6 with the principle. He says, let him who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. So this is actually a teaching on sharing in the ministry through our gifts, through our tithes, through our offerings. Specifically here, let's just be plain about it. I'm the teacher. You're the student. Paul is saying, student, share good things with the teacher. Now, I hate saying that, but that's what the scripture is saying. And what I view is that I have a share in this ministry, too. So I'm not here to teach to see what I can get out of you. I'm actually here, and Lily is here also, because we feel that we have a share, and we want to invest in Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, as I hope you want to invest in Calvary Chapel Lake Villa, that we can share in this ministry together. Because that has been a an attitude of my heart for a number of years that, you know, as, as you guys give tithes and, and it's a portion of your tithe goes to my paycheck, but I take my paycheck and I take a portion of that and give it back to the church. So it's reciprocal. It, it, you know, so we're just like, Oh, great. Here's, this is what we get. It's like, no, the Lord has blessed us with this. Now we want to bless the fellowship back with the gifts that the Lord has given us. And it's been a principle that my dad drove into me when I was 17 years old. But I can tell you this, Lily and I have practiced tithing since we have been married. And that's been for 32 years. And whether it's been my dad's church, um, uh, First Baptist Church in Libertyville, Zion Second, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, Calvary Chapel Zion, or Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. I've always viewed as we have a share of responsibility for the ministry that we're involved in. 
And for most of that time, I had not been the pastor. But, you know, we supported the ministries that we have been involved in. And I think it's a, a biblical principle that is taught. Now, um, in Corinthians, I actually deleted it out of my notes, I believe, this morning. But Paul um, reminds in Second Corinthians this principle based off of something that is taught in Deuteronomy where it says you shall not muzzle the oxen. If the oxen is doing work for you, if he's treading down the wheat, let him eat because he's working for you. So, so feed the man, basically. And Paul said God wasn't concerned about the oxen. He's using it as a principle to teach us about ministry. So let him who has taught the word share all good things to him who teaches. And then he goes on. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, this is a principle in life, in nature. You know, we have last several years planted um, vegetable gardens. And I have never been surprised by the harvest. If I plant corn, I expect corn to grow. It may not because of lack of rain or drought or a number of other reasons, but I'm expecting that if I take corn seed and plant it in the ground, I will get a corn stock and it will produce corn. And it did quite well this year for us. If it's beans, it's beans. If it's carrots, it's carrots. Whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Now, that principle, a life principle that we can observe he says in verse 8, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And I, I believe contextually it's going back to just sharing and sowing in the things of God. You're sharing in the ministry. You're sowing in the things of God. God says you're going to reap eternal things on into everlasting life. Now, it's not a works for salvation. I got to do this or I'm not going to get to heaven because Christ is the reason that we're going to heaven. But there is that sharing in ministry that we have a responsibility. And, you know, it's a life principle. If we sow to the flesh, you're going to get caught up into fleshly things. And if you're a believer who begins to sow to the flesh, getting caught up like that, could eventually pull you away from fellowship with other believers. I've seen so many people drop out. It breaks my heart. But it's because they begin to sow to the flesh. But if we sow to the Spirit, if we keep our head, our minds on spiritual things, it's going to be a non-issue in your life. Then verse 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I've never grown weary in giving gifts to the Lord. It's just been ingrained in me so much that in our tithe, and, you know, a tithe is 10%, we take the income that we get every week, whether it's Lily working or I work, and we deduct 10% and uh, cut a check to Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. That's what we do. But I've discovered as the Lord blesses us that all my funds going to Calvary Chapel, well, there are seasons where the Lord allows us to help support others. 
and we can have a share in that ministry. I know you guys remember last year, around this time, John uh, Bentley came and shared about the orphanages in China. And at that time, we, you know, Lily loves kids. And we began to uh, support two of the children. Those two children that we were supporting have been adopted out. And so now we have two other children that we're supporting in that ministry. And we don't know the parents that these children are going to go to ultimately, but we have a share in that ministry. And, and there's a principle that David had taught his warriors. We find the principle, and you can write it down. You can go there if you want, but I'll just kind of tell the backstory. It's in 1 Samuel 30, 24. And uh, David had his... Um, this is before he actually became king, but he had been given a Philistine city of Ziglag, and he went out to battle, and while he was out to war, actually he was going to go fight Israel, and God didn't allow that to happen. But while he was gone, the city of his men and soldiers, there were 600 men that battled with him, it was attacked, and uh, it was looted, and every wife and every child was taken captive. Now, when they came back to Ziglag and discovered that everything was gone, the men were ready, they were ready to stone David. And David just invested himself in the Lord and, and then he developed this battle plan and, and they went after the captors. And they were victorious. But in the process of they were going to rage war, they came back, there was this discovery about a third of the men, they just couldn't go further in battle. And so David said, just stay with the equipment, and the rest of us who have the strength will go. So they were able to recover everything, every wife, every child. And when they came back, the guys who went to battle, they said, the guys who stayed back, they don't get the money. They don't get the spoils of war. So now they're, they're reaping the spoils beyond what was their own possessions. And David said, no, we'll have none of that. In 1 Samuel 30, 24, for he who will heed you in this matter, but as his part is he who goes down to the battle, so is his part who stays by the supply. They shall share alike. And there's this principle that is taught to us in Scripture that whether we go to the battle to China to help those orphans or we share to help support it, we share in that ministry. And we're going to share in the spoils of that when we get to heaven one day. And so we can have that, each have that share. And so whether we're talking about the local church or we're talking about going beyond our walls here at the local church, we share in that ministry. And so don't grow weary in doing good. Paul says you're going to reap in due time. Therefore, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those or of the household of faith. So as we have opportunity, let's do good for one another. As we have opportunity, don't grow weary in doing good. There's a story that was made famous by uh, Napoleon Hill back in 1930s. He wrote a book, and he's been described as one of the first American how-to-get-rich scheme guys. And in his book... He told the story of R.U. Darby and his uncle, who went out during the gold rush days to Colorado to see if they could strike it rich. And they went out and they staked their claim, and they, uh, 
actually began to dig and they found some color, some ore. And so they had it tested. It was good. They hid everything. They went back to Massachusetts. I hate saying that state's name, but that's where their home was. They went back home. They talked to their friends. They talked to their families. And they all invested into buying the equipment to mine this ore, this gold from the ground. And so they got the equipment. They went back to Colorado. They began to mine. They pulled out a carload of ore. And they realized they only needed two or three more carloads. All their debts would be paid. From then on, it's money, man. We're just going to be rich. But before they got that third carload up, the vein run dry. And they continued to drill and to search until they finally gave up. And they sold it to a junk man. All the equipment, the claim and everything. There was a junk dealer. He bought it. I think the price, and I couldn't find it, but I think I've heard he bought it like for 150 bucks or something like that. But this junk dealer was not a dumb man at all. He hired someone who knew what they were doing, knew about geography of the earth and such, and he had him to do an investigation on the site and the claim. And the guy came back to him and said, the vein did break, it didn't run dry, but if you dig three more feet in this area, you're going to pick back up on that vein again. And that junk dealer pulled out millions out of the ground because they grew weary in doing good. They stopped three feet shy of the riches that they were searching for. And I think sometimes in life and in ministry, we stop short. I just want to encourage you, let's not grow weary in doing good. Let's Let's continue to share in this ministry, and especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to our brothers and sisters here in the fellowship and those outside of the fellowship. But Paul says, especially those within. You know, this is our greatest opportunity to serve one another in this way. I just want to encourage you as we close out here. What do people see when they see our church? Do they see a church that is known for restoring fallen brothers and sisters in the spirit of gentleness while considering our own weakness in the flesh, a church that has learned to bear one another's burdens, to to love one another as Christ has taught us that we should? Do they see a church that uh, think that we're superior to others, you know, that we no longer need to consider or examine our own works? Or do they see a church that is willing to bear their own load, their own burdens, realizing that we're going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account. Do they see a people with a deep, sincere love for one another? Or do they see a body of believers who have forgotten how to bear one another's burdens? You know, I believe the first is true. But remember this, we not only reflect our fellowship, we reflect Jesus Christ and how we live, and how we walk, and how we serve one another here. And that should be our great concern. And over the last few years, I've realized that I think we have done well in many of these areas of loving one another, how we share in each other's burdens, not get into each other's lives as a sense of gossip or something like that, but how we have a deep, genuine concern for brothers and sisters of this fellowship. You know, that is a good mark of a church, whether you're 50 or 5,000. I pray that it would continue to be our mark 
that people would see us and see Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, teaching us through this portion of scripture. And we just give you praise for it and pray, Lord, that you would apply it to our lives where applicable. And so, Lord, if we're one who is in need of restoration, Lord, bring the mature brother or sister alongside to help restore. Lord, if we're the mature brother or sister, but we've had this superiority complex, and Lord, we just need to confess. Or perhaps we haven't um, tried to restore in the spirit of gentleness. We need to confess to you now, Lord. I pray that you would just work in our hearts in that area. Perhaps, Lord, you're, you wanted to teach on, on this area of giving to some of the body here and to myself and, and our attitudes and how we give. Lord, may we realize that through our gifts, we have a share in the work that you've called us to. And Lord, we're all going to reap in that share. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this fellowship. And above all, Lord, that we would be a fellowship that has a concern for one another and that would fulfill the law of Christ, that we love one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let's go.